Happy New Year in advance. Amen. Uh, I've been given the uh, utmost uh, privilege of presenting our guest speaker for today. Um, okay, so Pastor Charles Adam Spurgeon last visited Stone Baptist Church exactly six years ago on December 31st. 2017 to be exact. <clears throat> um, he was born on 1834, making him 189 years old. That's old. Uh, he is a British Victorian era pastor who first became a pastor at the age of 19. He pastored the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. He baptized 14,460 people. He earned a nickname, the Prince of Preachers. He founded the Pastors College where over 900 men were trained for ministry. He started several orphanages, published a monthly magazine, wrote several books, including a six-volume commentary on the Psalms. He began a Christian literature distribution society. And finally, <clears throat> here are two quotes on Pastor Spurgeon. The first is from David uh, Bebington, who wrote, by common consent, Spurgeon was the greatest English-speaking preacher of the 19th century. <clears throat> and the second quote is from Arnold Dallymore, who wrote, Spurgeon walked with God and lived in prayer. Amen? Amen. Now, Southern Baptist Church, all of you, the sermon he will preach today is based on the book of Job, chapter 13, verse 25, and is entitled, A Frail Leaf. It was first preached at the Metropolitan Tabernacle about 150 years ago. And we get to hear it again in this church. So, with that being said, and without any further ado, Snowden Baptist Church, let us please give our warmest welcome to Pastor Charles Adam Spurgeon. Good morning. You know, it is truly amazing. Not only did a time machine allow me to be with you this morning, but I was also able, uh, using this artificial intelligence device, to change my voice so that it sounds exactly like Pastor Brent's voice. Now, speaking of Pastor Brent, are you here, Pastor Brent? I don't see him here. I do wish he would have told me that you have no stalls for horses on your property. Uh, my horse is currently galloping around NDG somewhere and I shall have to find him later. 
But now let's get down to serious business and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. And even though this message was preached 150, 160 years ago, Lord, your word never changes. Your word is still powerful. And I pray, Lord, that your word, word would be powerful in our midst today, that your Holy Spirit would come and attend and encourage our hearts, change our hearts, transform us into the likeness of your Son. We pray in the name of Jesus for his sake. Amen. These things I'm not used to in my time. <laughs> Is there a power switch? Aha. Uh -huh. Amazing technology you have today. <clears throat> oh God, wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? Poor Job. Who could have been brought lower than he? He had lost his possessions, his children, his health, he was covered with sore boils and was aggravated by the unkind speeches of his friends. In his deep distress, he turns to God and makes a plea out of his distress. He compares himself to the weakest thing he could think of. And then he says to God, the great and merciful, Will you, so glorious in power and matchless in goodness, will you break me, who am like a poor leaf fallen from the tree, withered and dry, and driven to and fro in the wind? Thus Job draws an argument out of his own weakness because he is so low and insignificant and powerless, he lays hold upon the divine strength and pleads for pity. It is a common figure he uses, that of a leaf driven to and fro. Strong gusts of wind, it may be in the autumn when the leaves hang but lightly on the trees, send them falling in showers around us. Quite helpless to stay their own course, fluttering in the air to and fro like winged birds that cannot steer themselves but are guided by every fitful blast that blows upon them. At last they sink into the mire to be trodden down and forgotten. To them, Job likens himself a helpless, hopeless, worthless, weak, despised, perishing thing. And he appeals to the awe-inspiring majesty on high, and he says to the God of lightning and thunder, will you put out your power to destroy me? Will you bring forth your dread artillery 
to crush such an insignificant creature as I am. With all the goodness of your great heart, for your name is God, a God who is good, will you turn your almighty power against me? Oh, be that far from you, O Lord, out of pity upon my utter weakness and nothingness, turn away your hand and break not a leaf that is driven to and fro. Job's perception is so startling, his appeal so forcible, that his argument may be employed in a great many ways. For example, how often have the sick used it? When they have been brought so low to an ebb of physical pain so that life itself seemed worthless. Stricken with disease, stung, with sharp pains and pangs. They feel that if the affliction continues much longer, it would be better for them to die rather than live. They longed for the shades of death that they may find shelter there. And turning their face to the wall, they have said, O God, as weak as I am, Will you again strike me? Shall your hand again fall upon me? You have made me very low. Why again do you lift up your rod? Break not, I plead with you, a leaf that is driven to and fro. Not less applicable is Job's plea to those who are plunged into the depths of poverty. A man is in trouble arising from destitution. Perhaps he has been long out of work. Bread is not to be found. The children are crying, hungering, starving. The house has been stripped of everything which might provide a little nourishment. The poor wretch, after passing through seas of trouble, finds himself no nearer a landing place than before, but sees each day new troubles attend and wonders where the scene will end. Passing through the streets, he's hardly able to keep his feet from the pavement or his skin from the cold by reason of his tattered garments. Homeless and friendless, like a leaf that is driven to and fro, he says, Oh God, will you continue this much longer? Will you not be pleased to stop your rough wind? To mitigate the sharpness of the winter, to ease my adversity, to give me peace. So too with those who are in trouble through bereavement. One child has been taken away and then another. The shafts of death flew twice. Then came sickness with threatening omen upon still another child. The desolation continued its gloomy portents. It seemed at length as though the widow would be bereft of her last and only child. And then she cried, O oh God, I am already broken. 
My heart is like a plowed field, cross-plowed. My soul is ready to despair. Will you utterly break me? Will you spare me no consolations, no props for my old age? Must I be altogether driven away before the whirlwind and find no rest? Lord, will you break a leaf driven to and fro? And perhaps, friends, it is even more acute with cases of mental distress. For after all, the sharpest pangs we feel are not those of the body, nor those of circumstances, but those of the mind. When the iron enters the soul, the rust is poison. Proverbs 18, 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? You may be surrounded with all the comforts of life, and yet be in wretchedness more gloomy than death, if the spirits are, de are depressed. You may have no outward cause for sorrow at all, and yet if the mind be dejected, the brightest sunshine will not relieve your gloom. At such a time, you may be vexed with cares, haunted with dreams, and scared with thoughts which distract you. You fear that your sins are not pardoned, that your past transgressions are all brought to remembrance, and that punishment is being meted out to you in full measure. The threats rise up out of God's book and seem to lift sharp swords in their hands with which to strike you. Time is dreadful to you because you know it is hurrying you to eternity. And the thought of eternity stings as does a venomous snake because you measure the future reckoning by your present distress. At such a time, when you are faint with longing, ready to despair, and driven to the verge of madness, I can imagine you're crying out, O oh Lord God of mercy, I am as a leaf that is driven to and fro. Will you quite break me and utterly destroy me, have compassion, and show your favor to your poor, broken creature. Many a child of God may have used Job's question, and if she has not used it yet, she may still use it. There are times when our very ground for belief gets clouded, and all our joys are fled. Though we may still cling to the cross, yet it is with a desperate grasp. God brings our sins to remembrance till our bones, as David puts it, our bones are sore broken by reason of our iniquity. Then it is that all broken, we can turn to the strong for strength and use the plea of the text. Will you break a leaf 
driven to and fro, and we shall get for our answer these comforting words. A bruised reed he will not break, and the smoking flax almost gone out, he will not quench. A bruised reed he, God, will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench blessed comfort. Regarding Job's plea, I have six brief observations to share. I promise they will be brief, even though I'm from the 1800s. The first is to see that this raw plea of Job's arises from within the human soul. What plea is more powerful to ourselves than that which we draw from ourselves? A man may not be sure of anything that is outside himself, for eyes and ears may deceive, but he is always pretty well assured of anything within him, for that which he perceives in his own consciousness he is very tenacious about. Now in this case, Job was quite certain about his own weakness. How could he doubt that? He looked upon his poor body, covered as it was with sores. He looked upon his friends who had perplexed and vexed him so much. And he felt that he was indeed just like a withered leaf. I do trust that many of us have been brought by God the Holy Spirit into such a humble frame of mind as to feel that in a certain sense this is true of us. Indeed, O God, if we know ourselves right, O Lord, we are all like withered leaves. We once thought ourselves fresh and green. We reckoned that we were as good as others. We made a fine and verdant profession, but lo, you have been pleased, Lord, to deal with us and all the fresh verdure of what we thought to be our piety, the natural piety that we thought we possessed, it has faded and withered, and now we are convinced that we are altogether as an unclean thing, and that all our righteousness is like filthy rags. And not only so, but the hope that we clung to as the leaf clings to the tree, we have had to give up. We are blown away from that. We were once upon the tree of good works. We seemed as if we had life and would always be happy there, but the winds have taken us away and we cannot hold on to our frail hope. We once thought that we could do everything. Now we perceive that without Christ, we can do nothing. We are cast forth as a branch, separated from the vine, we are withered. What can a leaf do? What power has it to resist the wind? Just so we feel now we can do nothing, even the sin that dwells in us, like the wind, carries us away and we are like the leaf in the wind, subject to its power. Oh, Snowden Baptist Church, what a great blessing it is 
to be made to know our own weakness. To empty the sinner of his folly, his vanity, and his conceit, this is no easy matter. Christ can easily fill a person with wisdom and prudence, but to get him empty, this is the work. This is the difficulty to make a man know that he is in himself utterly lost and ruined and undone. This is the spirit of God's own work. We ministers cannot make a man see that, however diligently we may point it out. Only the spirit of God can enlighten the heart to discern it, and yet, until a man does see it, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. For there is none in heaven who were not once broken-hearted sinners. No one can possibly come there and sing, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, unless they also once said, Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. While Job's plea is a confession of weakness, it is also an acknowledgement of God's power to push that weakness to a direful conclusion. Will you break me, says the text? Lord, you can do it. You can do it, Lord. In one minute, you could take away hope from every one of us now in this house of prayer. Some there are who are in the house of doom, where prayer can never be answered, where mercy's proclamation can never be heard. God could break us. It is an easy thing for him to destroy, And more, he is not only able, but he has the right to do it, if he wills. For we are such worthless creatures through our disobedience that we may say in the words of the hymn, if my soul were sent to hell, your righteous law approves it well. When we feel this, Then let us make a proper use of our own consciousness, not to despond and faint, but to arise and go to our Father and say, you can destroy me, you may destroy me justly, and I cannot resist you, I cannot save myself from your vengeance, nor can I merit anything at your hand, I am as weak as water and altogether as perishing a thing as a poor withered leaf. But will you destroy me? I plead for pity. Oh, have pity on me. Oh God, let your heart yearn towards me and show me your great compassion. I have heard that you delight in Mercy, and as Ben-Hadad of old with the rope about his neck, sent in to the king, confessing that he deserved to die, so I confess. 
And as the king forgave him, even so, Lord, do you with me, a guilty culprit trembling in your presence. Show pity, Lord, O Lord, forgive. Let a repenting rebel live. A second observation upon Job's plea is simply that it is a rightly humble plea. Though there is weakness in his plea, yet also there is power. For Job humbly pleads with one who is strong and good. If, on your way home after church, a poor, fainting woman appeared before you in the road, you would not pass her by, I trust. Or if a half-starved child was presented to you, one who could not drag his weary limbs along, surely you would feel that you must give relief to that child. The mere sight of weakness draws pity. And so you may yourselves plead thus with God. Oh God, do not destroy me. I deserve it, but oh, I am so little. Turn your power upon some greater thing and let your heart heart move with compassion towards me. Job's plea gathers force when the weakness is confessed. If a man shall have done you some wrong and shall come and acknowledge that wrong and bow down before you and confess the wrong, why then you feel at that moment that you cannot take him by the throat, but you say, rise, I have forgiven you. Listen carefully. When weakness appeals to strength for protection, and confession of guilt is relied on as an argument for mercy, those who are good and strong are pretty sure to be moved with compassion. Oh, friend, remember that when you pray to God in your weakest moment, when weakness appeals to strength for protection and confession of guilt, Lord, I am guilty, is relied on as an argument for mercy. Have mercy on me, Lord. Those who are good and strong like God is are pretty sure to be moved with compassion. If your own child has done wrong and you are punishing him for the wrongdoing, and he confesses his wrong and pleads for mercy, your own tears of loving mercy toward your child will cause you to stay your hand. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Psalm 103, verse 13. If you have faith to bring your weakness before God with the sense of a child toward him, you surely must prevail. So come then, you timid, trembling children of your Father who is in heaven, use this plea. Will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? Our third observation, 
concerning Job's plea is that it is rightly addressed, for it is addressed to God. As I thought it over, it seemed to me as if I could use it with reference to each person of the blessed Trinity. Looking up to the great Father of our spirits from whom every good and perfect gift comes down, it seemed to me that out of weakness I could say to him, will you, whose name is Father, will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? You are the God who made us. Will you utterly destroy the earthly vessel which you have fashioned on your wheel? You you are the preserver, Father, of humanity. Will you annihilate us and break us into splinters? Have you not revealed yourself as delighting in mercy? Are you not the Lord God, merciful and gracious, passing by iniquity, transgression, and sin? Have you not said, Father, come now and let us reason together? Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be like red crimson, they shall be as wool. O God, the Father of heaven, will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro. And then I thought I could address myself also to the blessed Son of God, who is also our brother in human flesh, and say to him, will you, our faithful high priest, who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, you who are bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, you who are brother of our soul, by whose stripes we are healed, Will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? No. By your thorn-crowned head and your bloody sweat, by your cross and your passion, by your wounds, by your death cry, you cannot, will not be unmerciful and unkind. Surely, They who in confidence turn to you, Son of God, and lay hold upon you shall find that your strength shall be ready to help. For though your arm be strong to strike, it is no less strong to save. Again, it comes across me sweetly, O blessed spirit, could you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? You are no eagle, You did descend on Christ in Jordan as a dove. Your influences are soft and soothing. Your name is the Comforter. You take the things of Christ not to blast us, but to bless us therewith. You are not a destroying spirit, but a quickening spirit. Not a terrifying, but an enlivening spirit. Will you break a leaf? that is driven to and fro. Yes, I address you, the triune God, you who are so full of mercy and love and grace and truth that those who have known you best have been compelled to say, oh, how great is your goodness, 
which you have laid up for those who fear you. Oh, the depths of your loving kindness. Is it possible that you can cast away a poor, broken-hearted trembler, a poor, fearing, doubting one who would gladly be saved, but who trembles lest he should be cast away? Our fourth observation about Job's plea is that it is backed up by many cases of success. We will not give many for we have not time, but there are two or three cases which we will mention. There was a king who had sinned desperately, slaying God's servants with both hands. But he was taken captive by a powerful monarch and thrown into prison, such a fearful prison that he was among thorns. He was in mental as well as material darkness. Then, troubled in spirit, tossed to and fro, and without power to help himself, Manasseh sought the Lord, and he found the Lord. He prayed unto the Lord, and the Lord heard him. Out of that low dungeon, God did not break the leaf that was driven to and fro. Or take a later case in our Savior's time. Picture in your mind's eye the story of the proud Pharisees hurrying into our Savior's presence, a poor fallen woman. She was taken in adultery. There was no doubt about it. She was taken in the very act. And there she stands, nay, she kneels, all covered with blushes before the man who is asked to judge her. And you remember his words. He never said a word to excuse her guilt. The Savior could not and would not condone her shame, but nor would he, on the other hand, lend himself to crush the woman who had sinned, but he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. Let his words come unto you, poor leaf, driven to and fro. Oh, if there should be such a leaf as that here this morning, appeal to Jesus. He will not break such a leaf that is driven to and fro. Our fifth observation concerning this plea of Job's is that it is a faint plea which invites full help and relief. Will you break a leaf that is driven to and fro? Oh, Job, there is much wrapped up in what you have said here. He meant this. Instead of breaking it, you will spare it. You will gather it up. You will give it life again. It is like that text, a bruised reed he will not break. Oh, it means more than that. It means that he will heal its bruises. A smoking flax he will not quench. That is good, but it means more. It means that he will stoop down to it, and with his soft breath, he will blow that smoking flax into flame. 
He will not let it go out. He will preserve its heat and he will make something more of it. Oh, you who are brought to the very lowest of weakness, use that weakness in pleading with God. And he will return unto you with such a fullness of blessing that you shall receive the pardon of sin. You shall be accepted through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You shall be dear to the heart of God. You shall be filled with his spirit and you shall be blessed with all the fullness of God. My Lord is such a one that if a beggar asks a penny of him, he gives him gold. And if you ask only for the pardon of sins, he will give you all the covenant blessings with which he has been pleased so bountifully to provide the necessities for his people. Come, poor guilty one. Come, you needy, helpless, broken, and bruised. Come by faith and let your weakness plead with God through Jesus Christ. And then sixth and finally, some counsel. Use this plea of Job's in prayer. Perhaps our faith has got to be very low, to a low place. Oh Lord, will you destroy my little faith? I know there is sin in it. To be so unbelieving as I am is no little crime. But Lord, I thank you that I have any faith. It is weak and trembling, but it is faith of your own giving. Oh, break not the poor leaf that is driven to and fro. It may be your hope is not very bright. You cannot see the golden gates, though they are very near. Indeed, your hope may be low, but know this, your hope shall not be destroyed just because it is clouded. Your hope shall not be destroyed just because it is clouded. You might be asking, Lord, will you destroy my hope because it is so dim? And the answer is, no, he will not. Perhaps you are conscious that you have not been as useful lately as you once were. And you might be saying, Lord, will you destroy my usefulness because I have been laid aside or because I have not done what I ought to have done in your service. My friend, bring your little graces to Christ as the mothers brought their little children and ask him to put his hands upon them and to bless them. Bring your mustard seed to Christ and ask him to make it grow into a tree and he will do it but never think that he will destroy you or that he will destroy the works of his own hand in you. Oh, that I could so preach as to give the comfort to you which I have felt in my own soul while musing over Job's plea. I wish that some who feel how lost, how empty, and how ruined they are could now believe in the great and the good heart of my Lord Jesus Christ. Little do they know how glad he will be to save them. You will be glad to be saved, but he will be more glad to save you.
you will be thankful to sit at the feast. But of all that come to the banquet, there is no heart as glad as the heart of the king. When the king came in to see the guests, I know there were gleams of joy in his face, which were not to be found in the faces of any of the guests. He has the joy of benevolence. Perhaps you have sometimes felt a thrill of pleasure when you have done some good to your poor fellow creatures. Now think what must be the joy of Christ, the joy of the Father, and the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy of doing good to those who do not deserve it, the joy of bestowing favors upon the wicked and the unthankful, the joy of showing that he does good because he is good. Not because you are good, but because he is good. Thus the Lord God will leap over the mountains of your sins and your prejudices and the rivers of your iniquities that he may come unto you and display the full glory of his loving kindness and his tender mercy. Oh, that some might now for the first time be drawn to Jesus and put their trust in him and there find pardon and peace. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, when we come to you praying in faith and saying, will you break a leaf a frail leaf driven to and fro, we know that the answer is no, you will not. You are a God of mercy and no matter how low we get, we can never get so low that you can't put a hand underneath us to lift us up again. We praise you this morning because of the God, the kind of God you are, Lord, loving, merciful, tender-hearted, full of compassion toward your creatures. And Father, I pray that the Spirit would continue this week to encourage our hearts by this word. In Jesus' name, amen.